Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Wednesday. We have so much to get into. We'll be discussing for the entirety of today's show either the State of the Union or State of the Union-related stuff. So many fascinating elements, so let's dive in. President Joe Biden delivered his State of the Union address last night, and while I recognize, many recognize, speeches are not often Biden's strong suit, especially recently, this was a really good speech, a really, really strong moment, I think, for Biden, and a chance for him, since it seems clear he's going to announce his bid for re-election, to lay out what that re-election campaign will look like, what he feels makes him qualified to have another four years as president. And so we'll just start going through first my general takeaways and then dive into so many different clips we have from this. Number one is, I do think it was an embarrassing night for Republicans, and I'll discuss that more with some examples uh, later in this segment, but that was definitely noticeable. The um, way that I think Biden's tone, Biden's words were being juxtaposed next to the actions uh, or with the actions of the Republican Party, both in the moment and as of recently. And then the tone and his delivery were good, which even if you're saying good words, if you don't have the right delivery, the right tone, that can make a big difference. I think he did a good job of outlining the Democratic Party's successes, the Biden administration's successes, as well as laying out the things that haven't gotten done. And in certain places, making clear the Republican Party um, should be looked at when we think about why weren't these things successfully gotten through, but then still highlighting bipartisan successes where he was able to work with Republicans. And that was a big part of his campaign message in 2020. So saying, look, I actually did work with Republicans on numerous different large achievements, and that means something as well. And then I think one of the messages I saw floating around in the media kind of responding to this was he's settled in and said this phrase multiple times during the State of the Union on the phrase, uh, let's get the job done. And so for his 2024 campaign uh, message, he likely will kind of have that vibe. I've done a good amount, but we need to get the job done. There's more to do. I recognize that. And let's get it done. The next two years, none of these big achievements are going to get done because of the majority of Republicans in the House. But again, for a 2024 re-election bid, that could make some sense. Let's get Democrats back in power um, in all the places so that they can get the job done. I definitely think that resonates. Um, and one thing I'll say before we actually start watching these clips, and I invite you to stick around for the whole segment, even though it will be long, because there's so many important aspects of this. But what is sad to me is that many will see more or only the responses to a speech like this than the actual speech itself. And so you might tune into right-wing media and many people today will be experiencing this if they watch conservative media and it'll be like, you know, uh, here was Joe Biden last night. The story of America. And then he went on to say that He's controlled by the woke mob and he loves China and uh, he's coming for MAGA. And they won't actually give the audience an honest portrayal of what went on last night, which is unfortunate because I think if conservatives approached this speech and others and just policies in general put forward by the Democratic Party with an open mind, they might be surprised that they support a lot of this because so many of the policies Biden either talked about getting done or 
laid forward for the future. Not that it's enough. We talk about that a lot. Plenty of critiques, but especially compared to other presidents and, of course, compared to Republicans, are great policy positions to have and very popular and very common sense. And so if Republicans would watch the full speech with an open mind, stop thinking that, you know, Hunter Biden actually wrote this speech for <laughs> for Joe Biden. Um, you might be surprised that it actually uh, is filled with a lot of things that you would support. Okay, let's start going through the clips. We won't be doing this necessarily in a chronological order, more batches of uh, topics that make sense together that I want to respond to kind of next to each other. So first clip from the speech, um, you saw the first <laughs> two seconds of it. But this is on the issue of jobs. And we'll start with kind of uh, parts of his speech that we're talking about things he sees as his successes. Folks, the story of America is a story of progress and resilience, of always moving forward, of never, ever giving up. It's a story unique among all nations. We're the only country that has emerged from every crisis we've ever entered stronger than we got into it. Look, folks. That's what we're doing again. Two years ago, the economy was reeling. I stand here tonight after we've created, with the help of many people in this room, 12 million new jobs. More jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years because of you. And as we've talked about in the past, um, it's not the truth that a president is responsible for all the jobs that are either lost or created. But I do think some things that Biden has done could be um, kind of connected to those numbers. We were going to see a big recovery after the pandemic, of course. But um, of course, as well, he will want to take credit for good numbers when they exist. And then on the issue of the Chinese spy balloon, as was quite the obsession within the right wing for a while. As we made clear last week, if China threatens our sovereignty, we will act to protect our country, and we did. Pop that thing. Um, he did. <laughs> and then so many good things on um, very... I'm trying to think of the exact perfect word, but economic and working class focused and um, material impacting kind of people's material lives, I should say, in real ways. This is on the issue of surprise medical billing, because sometimes these speeches are so filled with just, as I called, I think it was last night, fluff, just so much fluff about the future of freedom within the purpose of our dream and just nothing that's attached to what's going to actually change the lives of Americans. And he did a really good job of sticking to the things that will really impact people's lives very significantly and tangibly, I think was the word I was previously trying to think of. And so this is the um, relating to surprise medical billing. Billy. They're taking advantage of you, the American consumer. Here's my message to all of you out there. I have your back. We're already preventing Americans from receiving surprise medical bills, stopping $1 billion surprise bills per month so far. We're protecting seniors' life savings by cracking down on nursing homes that commit fraud, endanger patient safety, prescribe drugs that are not needed. Millions of Americans can now save thousands of dollars 
and we'll stop it there but he continues with a lot of good stuff um and then addressing the fact that some many likely in the gop want to repeal the inflation reduction act well guess what instead of paying four or five hundred bucks a month you're paying 15 that's a lot of savings for the federal government and by the way why wouldn't we want that now some members here are threatening and I know it's not an official party position, so I'm not going to exaggerate. But certainly to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. As my coach, that's okay, that's fair. As my football coach used to say, lots of luck in your senior year. So even Gavin McCarthy had to laugh there. Um, I think that was really nicely placed because he didn't say that at the beginning he waited to say that until after he had walked through all of the incredibly popular and common sense things that the inflation reduction act has done and then he goes and people here want to repeal that which would take away those benefits which would make you pay more on prescription drugs and the republican party goes yeah we want to do that <laughs> for sure and so that's another example of the embarrassment in my eyes of the night for republicans saying very popular things and they're cheering about the idea of taking those popular things away. And then on the issue of investing in climate change related uh, programs. Look, the Inflation Reduction Act is also the most significant investment ever in climate change, ever. Lowering utility bills, creating American jobs, leading the world to a clean energy future. I visited, look. And so many of those clean energy provisions also help um, Americans in tangible ways. This is good. We want to be the country on the cutting edge of green energy and benefit from those jobs, from that technology, from that energy is absolutely um, beneficial in so many different ways. Okay, then moving on to kind of looking forward, more proposal type stuff. Um, talking about wanting to work with the Republican Party, bipartisanship. And in fact, I signed over 300 bipartisan pieces of legislation since becoming president, from reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, the Electoral Count Reform Act, the Respect for Marriage Act that protects the right to marry the person you love. And to my Republican friends, if we could work together the last Congress, there's no reason we can't work together and find consensus on important things in this Congress as well. Again, and kind of a defining uh, part of Biden is his commitment to working with Republicans. So I think him focusing on that is uh, fitting. And of course, while I don't think the Democratic Party needs to compromise in so many ways to work with Marjorie Greene, for example, but there are more reasonable Republicans still in Congress. And we've seen some successes, the infrastructure investment um, bill, for example, that Republicans were on board with in some part, and I think that's good. And then on the issue of protecting our democracy. A million new jobs, more jobs created in two years than any president's created in four years because of you all, because of the American people. Two years ago, and two years ago, COVID had shut down, our businesses were closed, our schools were 
robbed of so much. And today, COVID no longer controls our lives. And two years ago, democracy faced its greatest threat to the civil war. And today, though bruised, our democracy remains unbowed and unbroken. Um, unbroken, correct, but hopefully it won't break in the future. And just because we did not lose our democracy in the past and Biden became president and Trump ended up not being successful in his coup attempt, um, doesn't mean it can't happen in the future. So we need to keep that as a top issue. Then, because it's been such a big subject lately, Biden addressed the fact that Republicans, um, seem he doesn't say it this way but in the facts he lays out makes this point seem to be ignoring a certain part of the history with the debt my administration has cut the deficit by more than 1.7 trillion dollars the largest deficit reduction in american history <clears throat> under the previous administration the american deficit went up four years in a row because those record deficits, no president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Nearly 25% of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last one. They're the facts. Check it out. Check. So we have more heckling moments later, but I do love the response being, <laughs> boo all you want. I'm just telling you uh, the truth. And there's more nuance for sure to the conversation as we went through in the Kevin McCarthy segment yesterday. You can check that out on the YouTube channel about the debt and the deficit. And um, there's more of a discussion than just comparing numbers because of context, of course. But that's true. And they ignore that part of all this. So unfortunately, I'm seeing the clock is just tick, tick, ticking. So instead of watching these clips, I'll just summarize real quick a few of these other ones so we can get to the heckling. He called on Republicans to come to the table on immigration reform. As we've talked about, Biden has put forward solutions on investing in our immigration process. Republicans have not gotten on board with it. So they talk about caring about that issue, but they don't actually uh, support solutions. He talked about protecting the lives of LGBTQ people and the rights of LGBTQ people, trans youth specifically, uh, called for a ban on assault weapons, which is absolutely um, good for him to have done and recognized the individual who stopped the gunman um, after killing so many people in California who was there at the State of the Union, the um, hero in that situation. He talked about border security, and there was an interesting moment where Ted Cruz was all grumpy about it, even though Ted Cruz acts like he cares about border security. Biden's talking about addressing that issue. He called out the need for the PRO Act to be passed, which is of course protecting the rights of unions and the right for workers to unionize, which is infringed on so much by companies, uh, called for the capping of insulin costs for everyone. He did tout his success with Medicare um, now having insulin costs capped, but everyone who's not in Medicare, who's not a Medicare recipient, doesn't benefit from that. And so it was Republicans who blocked the capping of insulin costs for everyone, and he of course, is pushing for that to be more universal. Um, then he talks about infrastructure, which of course, uh, Trump talked about investing in for so long, but didn't actually do it. Biden has successfully gotten that through taxing billionaires. He brought up, which was so wonderful, calling out the wealthy um, and the ways that, especially the tip, tip top individuals, earners often pay 
much less, and he listed off, than firefighters and teachers in effective tax rates and will pay a single digit tax rate. And so he is hoping to make a change on that. We're not going to get Republicans to get on board with that, unfortunately. Um, and then he acknowledged the family of Tyree Nichols and used that as an opportunity to say that change is necessary with policing in America. But I would say that's a weak point, the way that he uh, messaged that. I think primarily he just didn't spend enough time on police reform, didn't spend enough time on race, racial justice, um, criminal justice, kind of just skipped on right through it real quick. So that would be one of the weak parts of his speech because I, I don't think he spent enough time or gave it the uh, time it deserved. So that's a few of the moments there just summarized. Apologies for having to skip through that. Now let's quickly look at the most embarrassing parts for Republicans when they are heckling Biden. And it actually made Biden look like kind of the adult in the room, I think. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. Big, you got it. So he's talking about fentanyl and um, someone shouts, it's your fault. And of course, as we've talked about, as I just mentioned with immigration, um, number one, we saw the fentanyl start spiking and how much was getting into the United States at the end of Trump's presidency. It's clearly a larger conversation than just Biden being president. And he's put forward solutions that wouldn't necessarily solve the problem, but to start to try to address the crisis that we're in on that front. And Republicans aren't interested in solutions. They love fear mongering about the problem. Um, and he did outline some of, or mention some of those solutions during the speech. And then here's another heckling moment. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you, anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. There's Marjorie Green in her massive winter coat. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Look, folks. Okay, um, bunch of people calling him a liar. So from that reaction, even if you're someone who generally doesn't trust the Republican Party, you're probably thinking, okay, was he, was he lying in that moment? Uh, was he? No, he's talking about Medicare and Social Security being sunsetted, them sunsetting. Um, where does that come from? Well, Senator, Republican Senator Rick Scott, you can go to the website. Um, it's called the Rescue America Plan. And he has a 12 point plan to rescue America. And in this 12 point plan, as I have on screen for our video viewers, all federal legislation sunsets in five years. Or Medicare and Social Security, federal legislation. Yes, now law, of course. But um, if a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again, he says. So 
This would require Congress to repass Medicare and Social Security every five years. Gosh, in the midst of this debt ceiling um, debacle, something that seems absolutely necessary to get done that is being threatened right now, it's really hard to imagine that they would possibly threaten Medicare and Social Security. Of course, sunsetting every federal program does put at risk Medicare and Social Security. That's exactly what Biden referenced. And then just here's another example, this one of Republican Representative Michael Waltz saying, we need to look at entitlements if we really want to um, address balancing the budget. Russia, uh, is on the, on the march. And oh, by the way, we still have a global terrorist state now in Afghanistan thanks to Joe Biden. So this is, I mean, we can work on prioritizing defense spending, but that's really nibbling around the margins. Okay. If we really want to talk about the debt and spending, it's the entitlements program that's 70% of our entire budget. That 1.7 trillion and defense within that is only 30%. So if we want to talk about big reforms, I look forward to hearing that uh, from those folks who are pushing towards the balanced budget. So because it's so a sensitive of a subject they'll never use the words medicare and social security but entitlements are what we call uh programs like that and he's saying yeah defense there's money there but if we really want to talk about reform entitlements is where we need um to go and so biden was being 100 percent correct there and the republican party needs to stop screaming at biden turn around and talk to the people in their own party who are putting this forward last thing we'll look at sorry i know this clip has gone so long usually i don't do segments for this long but so much to talk about here's a cnn flash poll after the state of the union saying a 72 percent majority of americans who watched president joe biden's state of the union address had a positive reaction to the speech according to a cnn poll conducted by ssrs with a smaller 34 percent reacting um very positively so a 72 percent positive response that's good biden's poll numbers are obviously far below that meaning a lot of people who don't approve of his presidency generally approved of that speech and i think it's because he focused on the issues as i said he focused on tangible things that will help the lives of working people and that's what people want to hear and so hopefully the promises he made or maybe not promises, but proposals he's, push, he's pushing for. He'll be successful. And sorry if I missed things from that speech. You saw there's a lot to go through. Um, and I think highlighting the successes of his presidency is important. It's not to say, oh my gosh, it's just the best thing ever. I wish we could get more. But with the reality of the political um, landscape that exists as of now, I think it's been pretty successful within that context. And that speech was definitely very strong. Let me know what you think of all this in the comments. I've gotten people asking, and I was going to pull up, but I can't do it now, the username of someone who said, I don't know if you read comments. Every single comment gets read by someone who is involved in the show, and producer Ben is super good at making that happen, and then is constantly sending me um, ones that he feels are highlights, whether that's because they're really sweet, or because they're really horrible, or an interesting question, so absolutely leave a comment, and uh, very good chance it will get read. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, governor of Arkansas, did the Republican response last night to Biden's State of the Union address. And I want to take a look at a couple parts of it um, or a couple moments and discuss just kind of not just this speech that she delivered, of course, former press secretary of Donald Trump. Now, as I said, governor of Arkansas but also what this speech represents about the Republican Party and the difference now between the Democrat, uh, Democratic and the Republican Party. And 
primarily it's, and this was so clear if you watched Biden say the union address and then Sarah Huckabee Sanders's response, it's, <laughs> this is oversimplified, but attached to reality and not attached to reality. Um, and more specifically, Biden was talking about tangible things that will improve the lives of working class Americans. Sarah Huckabee Sanders responds and is just talking about woke and CRT and all these things that don't really, in, off, uh, in many cases, exist to the extent that they think they exist, um, but also are just very dishonestly portrayed. Okay, first moment. To charge boldly ahead. I'll be the first to admit President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, he's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state. And he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. We keep telling you and you just don't like our answer. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard earned money on fire but you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race. Many of the economic things she mentioned there, as we've talked about extensively, aftermath of the pandemic, and they are getting better, showing that clearly Biden's not going in there wrecking everything because things are improving from the pandemic-related economic downturn we were in that caused all these different things the inflation because of the spending we had to do to get out of that economic crisis and the price gouging that uh, corporations did because they had the justification of the expected inflation all these different things and they're improving and so that's um important to note and the crt thing of course um it's not taught in arkansas elementary schools but still she's going to bravely fight against it but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. Mm. And so right there, and we'll watch one more clip, but that gives you the sense of it, right? Biden's State of the Union address, if you haven't watched, if you're watching this in clip form on YouTube and you haven't watched my analysis of that, definitely do that as well. But again, when you watched his speech, excuse me, um, and then immediately went into watching Sarah Huckabee Sanders' response, it was so clear and present because this distinction, the juxtaposition between the two parties right now, because Biden focused so much of his speech on very um, impactful actions that either he wants to get done or has gotten done that would improve the lives of working people. And he walked through them specifically. Did she go through any of the specifics that he walked through, the details of the successes uh, he outlined or th proposals that he has? No, it's just the woke mob, this and that, and CRT, and what is a woman? Interesting. How does that improve the lives of citizens of America, or more specifically for her, Arkansas? It doesn't. A lot of things Biden outlined are going to improve the lives of those in Arkansas, capping the cost of insulin for Medicare recipients, um, investing in green energy even as much as she would stand against that. The investments in infrastructure that will finally get a lot of projects done on infrastructure that should have gotten done a long time ago. Many of these impacting so much red states 
And uh, she's not going to address any of those because those are popular and those are reasonable. And her job is to make Biden look bad um, and to attack him no matter the facts of the situation. So they revert back to the only thing that seems to be, I guess, effective for their audience, which is woke, 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 and a little bit more woke. Next moment. And while you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality. I saw somewhere on Twitter, maybe someone said, uh, she said, woke, take a drink. I do not suggest you watching any Republican give a speech and drinking whenever they say woke, because you will probably be sent to the hospital. Reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is. Your freedom of speech. That's not normal. Wait. <laughs> okay. Wow. So much there. So the freedom of speech thing, first of all. Your former boss and current presidential candidate, Donald Trump, wasn't he the one who called for the termination of the Constitution, which is the very document that protects and establishes the right uh, to freedom of speech? But then also she mentioned freedom. And just generally, I, I want to take this as an opportunity to talk a little bit about this kind of Republican branding thing of we are for freedom because we are for the absence of government action. To me... And the way I've phrased in the past is let's distinguish between just this as they've branded it version of freedom and meaningful freedom. Okay. Because I don't think that you're free if your entire life is wrecked and you're drowned in, um, in medical debt because you had one completely uncontrollable medical incident. I don't think you're free in that situation. I don't think you're free um, economically whenever companies are needlessly and horribly price gouging you for a necessary drug like insulin. And Biden is addressing that, for example, capping the cost of insulin. He wanted to do it for everyone. Uh, Republicans blocked everyone, but he got it for Medicare recipients. And I don't think you're free if our world is not livable in however many years because of climate change and Biden's investing in that. I don't think you're free if you're not able to feel safe because policing in your community is broken. And it goes on and on and on. So we shouldn't allow the Republican Party to say that they're the party for freedom when in many instances, yeah, maybe the government would have a smaller budget, but so many people's lives would be less free. So many people's well-being would be so much worse off. And so I think it's not all government or all absence of government. Where does the government serve a good purpose that can help us more than the absence? And let's invite the government into those spaces. And we use our freedom and our democratic process to make those decisions uh, collectively. That is what we should be talking about, not just this nebulous, anything the government does except for the military is oppression, even though we can choose to use our government to do good things for us. Let's get into a little bit some of the responses to Biden's State of the Union address. We looked at uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the last segment, if you're watching this in clip form. And now I want to walk through some other individuals. Starting off 
with Senator Kennedy. Um, try to figure out what on earth he's saying in this clip. Again, responding to Biden's State of the Union address. We previously covered that, um, and it was a really good speech. Take a look. Washington, you have to watch what people do, not what they say. Um, in Washington, what what you do is what you believe, and everything else is just cottage cheese. <laughs> After two years, we know what President Biden believes because we, we know what he's done. Um, bigger government, higher taxes, more spending, more debt, more regulation, an open border, a weaker military, um, criminals are the good guys. Um, a, a, a drag queen for every school library, whether the parents want what? that or not. Now, th those aren't words. Um, that's President Biden's record. <laughs> and Are we talking about a different President Biden? What on earth is that? So this is very similar to my analysis on the Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, speech. When you can't respond to the items that biden listed that absolutely will improve the lives of working americans expanding the affordable care act so people have uh the coverage that they need and the one that he's uh pushing hard on right now because there were some republicans that went on board with this was capping the cost of insulin for all Americans, not just Medicare recipients, that he did get through, um, lowering prescription drug costs, allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drugs, um, which they weren't doing before, and absolutely saves the government money, saves us money, completely common sense, but Republicans uh, against it. Because John Kennedy can't craft a good argument for why those things are bad, why those things make Biden a radical lefty and a Marxist and a horrible globalist communist, he has to instead go to Biden has called up all of the drag queens to go come for your children, right? That has to be the narrative um, from Senator John Kennedy. And it really is infuriating, but because I'm trying to stay a little bit lighter hearted right now, quite silly to watch them attempt to just ignore all the things Biden laid out, successes and proposals that are common sense, that are popular, and that would help the lives of Americans and instead tell a fun fantasy story for their audience. Here's another moment where one of the individuals, uh, Republican Representative Nick Lalota, um, gets asked on CNN about the heckling that was going on. Did you do any heckling? I did. I, I was upset when the president lied about his statement on Social Security and Medicare. What did and you I say? was vocal about that. I booed the president during that time. I come from New York. We call it the Bronx cheer. When we see something that we don't like and certainly something that somebody was lying to us in our own house, we're going to give some feedback then. So what is he saying that Biden's lying to him about? If you're a full show viewer or listener, you know what this is in reference to. If you're watching as a clip, just to give you the context, Biden said that uh, some Republicans, you know, there are Republicans who want to sunset all federal programs. He specifically said sunset Medicare and Social Security, which fall into all federal programs. And we looked at in previous segment in Tim Scott's that's still publicly available Rescue America plan. It explicitly says that all federal programs should be sunsetted, meaning Medicare and Social Security. It says if a law is worth staying, essentially, then 
Congress should reauthorize it every five years. And so every five years, Medicare and Social Security would be threatened. And the lives of all the people that benefit from that program, those two programs, um, would have their well-being threatened. And so Biden was not lying. That individual was lying. But to his credit, just because I saw this and want to, um, like I said, give him some credit here. This was his view on George Santos. And standing so close to the aisle that the president walks down, cabinet members, Supreme Court justices, he should have just quietly sat at the back of the room. Do you agree? He's a sociopath, George Santos. He looks for that attention. Even the negative attention drives him. It's become an embarrassment and a distraction to the Republicans in the House. We want to focus on our commitment to America. We want to talk about putting our economy back. Okay, he's a sociopath. Um, 100% agree with him there and then we get to kevin mccarthy's appearance on um fox and friends first still bringing up the chinese surveillance balloon inspired and just what this nation went through in the last week the mm. world was watching with this balloon the sovereignty and to try to ignore what china has been doing it just adds more damage to this nation so why am I poking fun at this? Because we've learned that Biden increasing defenses against Chinese espionage is the reason that that balloon was identified and the reason that the three balloons that flew over Trump, uh, flew over Trump, th flew over the United States whenever Trump was president weren't identified because the defenses hadn't been increased in the ways that they have been under Biden. So the narrative is just completely backwards. And if you flipped the roles where Trump was in the place of Biden, Biden was in the place of Trump, they would have made that such a big story about how amazing Trump was for increasing those defenses. That's why the balloon was identified and he shot it down. It's so amazing. Trump's the best. But instead, Biden's still in the wrong somehow because he can never be right. Okay, next clip of Kevin McCarthy on Fox and Friends. Well, the president was trying to goat the members, and, right. and the members are passionate about it. But the one thing the president was saying is something that he knew was not true. This is him getting asked about uh, the heckling. I just spent an hour with him. I've said it many times before. Social Security and Medicare are off the table. He tried. You might be saying that, but other powerful members of your party are saying they are interested in those being on the table. And that's all Biden said. He didn't say Kevin McCarthy. He didn't say the entire Republican Party. He said some Republicans um, are. And as I talked about previously in the segment, Rick Scott's an example of that. We also looked at in a previous segment, um, Republican Representative Michael Waltz, who alluded to the entitlements needing to be looked at, which are Medicare and Social Security. Then you have Marco Rubio also attempting to not really address what Biden said, instead address the fantasy world that many people live in. You didn't hear a lot of talk about pregnant men tonight. You didn't hear a lot of talk about some of these crazy things because they're pivoting now to an election mode and they know all that stuff is toxic. So they're trying to pretend it's not happening, but it remains at the core and at the heart of their administration. Not a lot of woke talk tonight, except for the climate stuff, which by the way, he doesn't tell you, benefits China. Again, the fantasy is that woke means what they think it does. And of course, the pregnant, uh, pregnant men thing is fascinating to watch just how little they have an interest in understanding the very issues that they're attacking, if that makes sense. Um, it's not that complicated. It's not that wild. And it's not that new. But their understanding of it, I guess, is new. And so they've chosen to take the more ignorant stance and say, this is all crazy, when they could spend that time learning the things that aren't that hard to understand, specifically as he was alluding to there in regard to uh, trans men, for example. Here, now we can get to a little bit more um, reason. AOC had a response that touched on an important point in regard to the speech. And it's really shocking 
even the things that, are, that the overall Republican Party refused to stand for, paying public school teachers, public health policy, basic education policy, raising the wage for some of our lowest paid workers in the United States. You know, I mean, it, this should be really basic stuff, um, sky is blue kind of stuff. And the Republican Party, I think, really showed the country who they are tonight. And it, it's really shocking. Yeah, so when Kevin McCarthy and the Republican Party are not standing for all these things, a few she listed there, um, but raising the wage for low wage and hard work, hardworking Americans um, and public school teachers needing to be more properly invested in all these different things. America saw the fact that Biden's listing popular common sense things and the Republican Party is either being silent and not clapping or outright heckling him over some of these different um, things or cheering about the idea of repealing the Inflation Reduction Act that has helped so many people or will help so many people's lives has been passed to do those things. Last clip we'll look at as far as um, these responses to the speech, Kamala Harris getting asked about Biden's um, low approval. Well, that's not going to stop, even if some people are cynical about it. The, the problems aren't just inside that chamber, though. The president also facing a skeptical mm -hmm. public majority don't think they're better off since he took office, the majority don't approve of the job he's doing. Well, listen, there's no question, and again, the president spoke about this, and it, it's on his mind every day. People are still hurting in America. As he started the, his presentation last night, talking about the fact that we've come out of a, an historic pandemic, the economic crisis that resulted, supply chain crisis that resulted. You look at the cost of milk and eggs, you know, it's about four and a quarter, I think, on average in the country. So, yeah, people are still hurting, and we still have work to do. I think the president was clear that the job is not done we brought we'll stop down it there um and then she starts listing much of what we've gone through but um i think that's a perfectly fair response and a perfectly fair message for uh biden here's what we've done some of it hasn't yet most of it probably lots of it hasn't been put into effect yet so um here are the things we've done and expect these to start improving your life but also we are coming out of we're not far at all we're still technically fully getting through it we're just getting back from an economic crisis caused by a completely unprecedented and historic pandemic. And that was a crisis. And it doesn't take just, you know, six months to heal from that. And so we recognize there's pain still, as there always is in the lives of Americans that needs to be addressed. But more specifically, because of the economic crisis that the pandemic caused, there is still a lot of pain, the inflation that the necessary response to the economic crisis caused and the price gouging from corporations on top of that and um, the supply chain problems that contributed to inflation, all these price increases we've seen and that impacts your life. And, and again, I'm speaking as if I'm them and we recognize that and we want to continue to work on behalf of your interests. And here's what we're going to do to improve your life. The alternative is, and then make that clear as I think has been done many, many, many times. So there's some of the responses, uh, very fascinating. Well, during the kind of beginning or while everyone was entering um, the State of the Union address last night that Biden delivered, there was a tense moment between Senator uh, Mitt Romney and lying serial liar complete bonkers human being george santos 
And Mitt Romney was not happy with him, as we all um, resonate with. So I'll show you on CNN when this happens, and then we'll discuss the reporting about what was said here. Differences between them. You see several uh, of the senators there walking in. Senator McConnell there. One striking contrast is Senator McConnell and President Biden have a very different relationship this speaker. Look McConnell. who's there. Of course, Casey, George. take a look who's you see George Santos <laughs> right in the middle of the screen, the George. Republican congressman from Long Island, who's uh, obviously very, very, very controversial. <laughs> controversial. More like has a legitimate um, historic issue with lying. Okay, so then here on Twitter, um, I might butcher this name, but Katia Goba said Representative uh, George Santos describes to me his exchange with Senator Mitt Romney during the State of the Union tonight. Mitt said, you don't belong here. Santos said, go tell that to the 142,000 that voted for me. Mitt said, you're an ass. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, Santos said, you're a much bigger a-hole. For some reason, the first word doesn't do anything bad as far as algorithm stuff does uh is concerned but the combination of those does it's very strange um the complete side tangent but you'll notice in television the way they bleep that out it just confused me where you'll hear ass and then they'll bleep out the second half strange okay um but back to this santos saying that 142,000 people voted for him true um i'm not completely on the back of my or on the top of my head remembering if 142 is exactly the right number, I'm sure it is, that's likely what he got and why he's in Congress. Did they vote for him though? As we've said so many times now, they voted for a character that he told them about. And that's not how congressional races or any runs for public office are supposed to go. Um, but that's what he did. And so it's an odd defense of yourself to say, Oh, you think that I should leave because I lied to get in office? Well, <laughs> I shouldn't leave because I lied to get in office. Nice. Uh, Mitt Romney got asked about this exchange as well, and this was his response. He says he, uh, you know, that he embellished his record. Look, embellishing is saying you got an A when you got an A minus. Lying is saying you you graduated from a college you didn't even attend, and and he shouldn't be in Congress. And uh, they're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out. And, uh, but he shouldn't be there, and, and uh, if he had any shame at all, he wouldn't be there. Why did you, you know make him? a point to say that, though? I mean, you went, I mean, it was kind of out of your way to, to Well, he was standing that. right there in the aisle, shaking hands with everybody. Did he respond to you? Uh, he may have. I didn't hear Are anything he said. Are you disappointed that Kevin McCarthy has not called him to resign? Yes. So Romney is fully in favor of Santos getting ousted, which makes a lot of sense. And Romney is one of the rare Republicans that we get an occasional reasonable moment from, which I appreciate and look forward to. But I wish, and now I have Trump's voice coming into my head. Ah, <laughs> um, I really do wish that, let me cut over to old, to old producer Ben for a second there, um, that more Republicans had the courage or the backbone uh, bone or something whatever you call it to actually stand against santos and call for his resignation and make clear that they recognize he deceived his constituents into that position of power and that's unacceptable we should not just be okay with that and move on that was a scam and he needs to be, uh, be held accountable for that luckily separate from him resigning 
he may have been involved in criminality in the way that he financed his elections. And so that could actually end up taking him down. Well, former President Donald Trump and current presidential candidate, unfortunately, released his own State of the Union, the real State of the Union, as it was promoted after Biden's. And we're just going to show that to you. Take a look. Uh, concluded his speech. So here is former President Trump. Here's the real State of the Union. Over the past two years under Biden, millions and millions of... And sometimes I stop and start and stop and start. This time, we're going to watch this whole thing through and then I'll give you all my response to it. Over the past two years under Biden, millions and millions of illegal aliens from 160 different countries have stormed across our southern border. Drug cartels are now raking in billions of dollars from smuggling poison to kill our people and to kill our children. Savage killers, rapists, and violent criminals are being released from jail to continue their crime wave. And under Biden, the murder rate has reached the highest in the history of our country. Biden and the radical Democrats have wasted trillions of dollars and caused the worst inflation in half a century. Real wages are down 21 months in a row. Gas prices have soared and are now going up much higher than even before. And the typical American family is paying $2,200 in increased energy and food costs each year. Joe Biden's weaponized Justice Department, and I'm a victim of it, is persecuting his political opponents. His administration is waging war on free speech. They're trying to indoctrinate and mutilate our children. He's leading us to the brink of World War III. And on top of all of that, he's the most corrupt president in American history, and it's not even close. But the good news is we are going to reverse every single crisis, calamity, and disaster that Joe Biden has created. I am running for president to end the destruction mm. of our country and to complete the unfinished business of making America great again. We will make our country better than ever before, and we will always put America first. Thank you. Mm. Okay, so let's go through this. Um, I'll try to go somewhat quickly. He talked about the border. Biden has put forward plans in relation to the border and Republicans. Um, some have, in certain cases, been on board, but not enough. And so it was Republicans who prevented those from getting through, as we talked about. So much dishonesty on that front, fear-mongering about the issues we're having with our southern border um, and dehumanizing individuals looking for a better life, but not actually wanting any solutions to the real problems we're experiencing logistically and the humanitarian problems as well. He alluded to the fentanyl crisis. Again, so many lies recently from the GOP about fentanyl, trying to make it an issue of undocumented immigration, when really legal ports of entry are where fentanyl are primarily coming um, through and U.S. citizens, as we talked about on yesterday's show, are actually the primary ones bringing fentanyl across. So you're actually actively working against a discussion about a real solution to the lives that are harmed by fentanyl and it coming into our country by lying about the reality of it. Um, and Biden talked about a plan to address fentanyl um, during his State of the Union. He said that the, crime, the uh, murder rate specifically is the highest in the history of our country. That's not accurate. Um, it is higher right now than in recent years, but that increase is number one, 
an obvious aftermath of the environment that was created by the conditions of COVID, but also started skyrocketing whenever Trump was still president, which he's not going to um, answer for. He mentioned inflation, gas, food prices, and we've talked about this extensively also being an aftermath of the pandemic, but those things are getting better, meaning that you, if you wanted to play the game of everything's the fault of the president or everything they get credit for, you would have to give credit for them coming down, even though we are still not that far from an, ep uh, an economic crisis based on what happened during the pandemic. I don't think we should say everything is the president, whether it's good or bad. We need to be honest about what is affecting what. But if we're going to play that game, um, you also don't have a whole lot of ground to stand on. He said that Biden's Justice Department is being weaponized against him. He's being politically persecuted just because he's committed a lot of criminality and is being held accountable for it or suspected criminality doesn't mean that anything wrong is going on within the Justice Department. On that front, he said that Biden is waging a war. And listen, I know this feels like I'm going on a long time. When you lie this much, there's a lot to respond to. On freedom of speech, where's the evidence of that? Um, the most we've gotten is Twitter did some stuff with people's accounts. Uh... Yes, <laughs> Twitter <laughs> is not the government and they can have a terms of service and all those different things. And as I noted previously in today's show, Trump's the one who called for the termination of the Constitution, which is where free speech is protected. So let's not hear. Um, it's not great to hear that from him. I don't think he's the right person to be telling us about freedom of speech. He says our youth are being indoctrinated probably referencing CRT, which of course is not being taught in reality. Most of the things they're upset with, there's some edge cases that aren't representative of the broader educational goals um, in America. But for the most part, what is really being targeted is telling an honest telling of our history so that we can um, prepare the upcoming generations to recognize the reality, not to hate other people, but to love other people and be able to solve the problems of their own communities, other communities in informed uh, ways. He did more inaccurate fear-mongering about trans youth. He said that Biden is leading us into World War III, I guess referencing the fact that Biden has led uh, many countries in supporting Ukraine, which is a very good action because the alternative would be leaving Ukraine, um, a sovereign country to be invaded and an authoritarian power to attempt to occupy them and so much extra devastation would be caused there trump doesn't want to put the blame on the shoulders of putin who actually is to blame there and then finally he said that biden is the most corrupt president in u.s history again i say i would love some evidence or some specifics of what you mean by that because just off the top of my head on my monitor over here i'm looking at one that i think might have been a little bit more corrupt um in recent history but whew, it's hard to even get through those. But that was the real State of the Union from Donald <laughs> Trump, riddled with dishonesty. Okay, last thing we'll look at on the subject of the State of the Union, more specifically Trump's response to it. We looked at his real State of the Union, which was just him lying a bunch about um, the reality of America and all these different issues. Now we get to look at his live play-by-play, -play, as it was being called, um, to the State of the Union. So in the moment, what was he saying on Truth Social, which he was posting on 
very aggressively. And it was a weird vibe, a weird vibe, because he kept doing this thing where I think he was trying to sarcastically be nice to Biden, but then couldn't help himself and was aggressive and then uh, would be nice to him again. It was strange. Now, because there's a lot of truths here, as they're called, let me hydrate before we jump in. Okay, ready? And I even have a little presentation to go through so we can make this efficient. I will be doing, by popular request, a live and full play-by-play -play analysis of the State of the Union Address. This is, of course, Trump on Truth Social, tonight on Truth at 9 p.m. If properly done, and if Joe has just a modestly good night, this speech has the opportunity to rival any of the world's greatest orators. So that's that kind of sarcastic thing, right? But then he flips back and forth in a strange way. Next post. And this is all in chronological order as the speech was going on. If democracy is unbroken, he should stop the weaponization of Republicans by the FBI and the Justice Department. Now, I think he misworded that because that sounds like he's saying the Republicans are being weaponized. The weaponization of Republicans by the FBI. Weaponization of the FBI on Republicans, to Republicans, whatever. Um, next post, he seems to be very angry, shouting in the mic. When he's trying to come across as conciliatory, conciliatory holy smokes perhaps somebody should walk up to uh the dais tap him on the shoulder and say be cool kevin mccarthy who is a great guy is having a seriously hard time staying awake i give him credit for being true to himself and the cause he is just not interested in what is being fed to the audience joe's the, uh, the one who destroyed the supply chain now he's talking about how to rebuild it no covid and the conditions that covid caused destroyed this supply chain having a hard time getting the words out even though the fake news will credit him with one of the great speeches of all time i really want to see him improve come on joe you can do it <laughs> see what i mean strange tone being struck here he's absolutely screaming infrastructure infrastructure then he shouldn't be wasting all of our money on china produced windmills and the green new deal tell me how much money has been spent on windmills trump compared to our national budget and <laughs> the green new deal is not even something Biden supports, has not been passed either. Plus, green energy infrastructure is also infrastructure. Keep using the word folks, uh, keep using the word folks must be a nervous habit. We should all sit down and talk to him about this. Yes, Trump doesn't have any uh, history of making mistakes or um, doing nervous ticks during speeches. If I ever made a speech like this, and again, just notice all the random capitalizations all over the place. They run me out of Washington, D.C., but there's time left. Maybe he can save it. His wife, Jill, is looking lovely tonight in a beautiful purple dress, clapping and applauding with great enthusiasm. <laughs> okay. Pocahontas, which is what he calls Elizabeth Warren, is really going wild tonight. She's almost uh, She almost has to be constrained. The only thing that will do it is the straight jacket. No comment. Stumbling, bumbling. He just can't get the words out. I don't want that to happen, but the world is watching and the world is capitalized. Listen, Biden does have a history of stumbling and bumbling. This speech was actually pretty good, and at least he knows how to properly capitalize things. Look, he worked hard tonight. <laughs> this is his closing message. Look, he worked hard tonight. It's not a natural thing for him. It never was, and it never will be. But you've got to give him credit for trying. I disagree with him on most of his policies, but he put into words what he felt and he ended up the evening far stronger than he began. Guys, this isn't one of my bits where I read a fake messages and go, no, actually he said this. This is actually what he said. Give him credit for that 
Many things weren't mentioned that should have been, but that's for another time. I've done a little clip. Perhaps you'd like to watch it. We watched that in the last clip, uh, last segment. Good night, everybody, and God bless America. So being very sweet to Biden at the end, I, I assume because it's like, hey, attached is the video where I just trash on the whole speech. And so it's kind of this, he did a good job, but watch my clip a little bit of that sarcasm. But I think we need to work with honestly, a lot within the uh, far right on humor, just kind of how to strike the right humor uh, tone and to really make jokes land because I didn't quite get what was going on there. Or he just left a meeting about his 2024 campaign and they got some polling. I'm sure they've gotten this many times that shows people think he's too mean, too aggressive, too name collie, and try to have a little moment there where he's presidential. And then his uh, speech, his real State of the Union, as it was called, obviously, was riddled with lies and dishonest attacks. So there it is. If you were a Trump supporter, think about this, okay? Last night, what were you doing? Well, obviously, you were watching my live stream of the Biden speech. Okay, <laughs> we got that. Many other people weren't doing that. Can you imagine? They were sitting, maybe watching the speech, but I venture to say most likely not watching the speech watching you can see the engagement he gets it's a lot of people trump's telling of what was going on with the state of the union that's real this is not a movie real people are reading that and going <sighs> many of them who think trump's as i talked to at uh as i was told at the rally when i talked to many trump supporters two weekends ago that right now they're reading the true social messages of the president meaning the person who's really in control, but also Biden's to blame for the bad things he's done at president, as president, but also Biden's not really president because Obama's actually controlling everything and Kamala Harris is actually controlling everything. <laughs> but Trump is in control through the military and is my real president, um, but is not to blame for all the bad things, even though he's in control of everything. So real stuff, guys, and I can't really process it with my brain. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's Bunker Show. We will see you tomorrow.